Hello and welcome back to Podcasting as Praxis. I'm David and my pronouns are he and him. I'm James and my pronouns are they and them. I'm Jamie and my pronouns are he and him. My name's Rob and mine are he and him. And we are joined this week by our very special guest, Eleanor Yanigan. Hello, my pronouns are she and her. How are you doing, Eleanor? Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm excited to be back uh, and talk about World War Three and also how uh, we should commit regicide. So. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> a bit damning, really, to have the very last thing that you do before the nukes hit is appear on this podcast, but, you know. <laughs> quite quite damning. Quite damning that right before the nukes hit, we're still having to discuss why we haven't done regicide yet, but it's cool, it's cool, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real problem here. Actually, the two might not be unrelated if you think hard enough about <laughs> yeah. it. But... <laughs> All right, Rob, you have had a holiday, so you're now recharged, and you've done some notes. I am. Um, for our sins as punishment for you taking a holiday. So would you like to start? Hi, this is Rob in the editing suite. You're missing out on the first part because we were all talking about Ukraine and that is obviously not valid anymore because it's slightly more on fire than it was two days ago. But still enjoy the rest of the episode. Goodbye. Oh, for very well. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Get ourselves some snacks. So yeah, there was one more bit that I wanted to from Starmer's lines that I wanted to talk about to talk about the next thing. Um, I'll give you the quote. Whatever the consequence of the sanctions, this won't be easy. Britain must work with our European allies to handle any disruption in supply of energy and raw materials. So that's just like hand-waving away one of the yeah. incredible mm. problems we have if we were to actually start a fist fight with the Russian Federation. Yeah, that's that's fine. Like that's, that's how that works. You just simply work harder with other people and they'll deal with it. That's yeah. It. I mean, Britain's mm. natural place in the, the global order is that one guy on the, the university project that doesn't do any work, turns up, delivers part of the speech, and then fucks off at the end. And then <laughs> that's, that's the vibe of us. That's all we're fucking able to do. So, yeah, that's actually quite an on point and well, maybe not self-aware, but definitely self-correct remark. So, yeah, but one of the key assets that people sort of tend to forget about when we talk about this is, uh, and this relates to, to food prices, so bear with me for a second, it's not just the gas stuff, it's uh, some of the other main nat- ingredients for artificial fertilizers, price of which has already skyrocketed in the last year, as well as sort of more general agricultural product and pricing. Sorry, those fertilizers, um, any any key ingredients in there used in any other kind of industries at all? <laughs> well it's mainly natural it's natural gas and potash which are really important and the potash especially a lot of it comes from Belarusia and quite a bit of it comes from Russia as well um, so essentially like uh, the cost of fertilizer in the EU has gone up over 250% I think it's about the same in um, in the UK and essentially what that means is farmers haven't been buying it because it's so expensive so we can expect like a 5 to 10% decrease in overall global production in 2022 because of these spikes in fertilizer prices especially if they if the base ingredient stuff remains high until May June so like food could actually become incredibly more expensive in the coming year like at least 10 percent more expensive simply on the back of a combination of the gas prices and the stuff with russia and ukraine so like when keith says it won't be easy but we must work with our european allies it's like yeah but what about what about food motherfucker like that is kind of a critical component of of what's going on what if you got to live through the blitz 
but there wasn't rationing, but the food was still his skills. Ooh. Then you could show it, you could really fucking show it to your grandparents then. My blitz oh, was Christ. harder than yours. I'm going to be honest, when the when the treats go off the shelves for Revolution Begins, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, See, not, for the would not, not for the Brits. It would not it would surprise be... me, it would not surprise me that if at some point uh, a, a, a solution at least floated for the fucking cost of living crisis is rationing. Because like fucking that would that would that would do numbers with like all the fucking bazers in, in this ah, country. No, oh, rationing, God, yeah. but it's means tested and only people on universal yeah. credit have to do it. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, if you're better. on universal credit you have to start a victory garden. That's what it'll be. <laughs> oh my god, that's actually plausible. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, that that that's yeah. lovely, that one. Uh, Fuck. Like that. Like, so, you know, sometimes we joke about us having a lay for heaven and being connected to the anima mundi and all this kind of shit, but Rob genuinely is plugged into the soul of a British psyche in a way that is deeply unnerving and explains a lot of his weirdness. Congratulations, <laughs> Rob, that one might actually happen. It'll be like a, a, like a quasi-wartime dig for Britain. You remember that thing? Was that last yeah. year or two no, years it, ago? No, it writes itself. The, when, oh, when they tried to get, like, the unemployed to do uh, hard agricultural labour, and they got like two people at the three oh, or four people yeah. out of 15,000 <laughs> it'll be that it'll, it. it'll just be that essentially I hate it so much yeah uh, so yeah on top of all the other like increases in rent national insurance um, the energy press cap look forward to 2022 being the year of more expensive grocery bills which I'm sure will be good for everybody you know yeah. that'll, be, that'll be another thing that's, that's fine, fine. It's fine. We don't already have food poverty in the UK, so it'll no, be we all don't. Right. No, mm-hmm. look, no. we just have people who buy too many sneakers. Yeah, yep. yeah. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, Eleanor, but like food instability is usually a sign of a stable future ahead of us. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that the average person loves is being hungry. They're totally fine with it, and there are never mm-hmm. any consequences. Yeah. No. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I'm at my best when I'm fucking starving. Yeah, me yeah, too. absolutely. I'm, <laughs> I'm like razor sharp in the sense that like I'm looking at people and their heads turn into like big hams, like they do on the cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on the other side of the capitalist ridiculousness spectrum, uh, very very quietly, there were, a Virgin Hyperloop has oh. laid off half its staff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, because even though they were the only people that had a demonstration model that worked with people in it where a hyperloop could actually travel mm-hmm. they've cancelled that idea so they're no longer transporting people they're transporting goods but also not that many of them um right <laughs> i mean so where, where is this actually going to fucking no one spends money on infrastructure shit like that like no the only people you're going to get is this going to go on that fucking like stupid strip or whatever it is in dubai yeah. yes Correct. Oh, in for one. Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, not, you're oh. talking about Neom, uh, David. The, that's the, the one. The city Neom, that's, yeah. a, that's a line. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, this is in. Uh, this is after 400 million US dollar in initial funding. Uh, a huge wad of which came from a company called DB World, which is wholly owned by the government of Dubai. Oh, um, <laughs> See, how much did you say there? 400. 400 million. Million or bit. Million. Yeah. If Dubai wants to give me four hundred, like I can also do I... fuck all with four hundred yeah. million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll do more than fuck all. I'll just I'll give them a bit a bit of paper with the words "passenger railgun" written on it and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> 
maybe a couple of hand-drawn uh, uh, ideas maybe to, to go with it for six hundred. I just million. charge extra for that shit. <laughs> make, make a, making neon both the name of the city and the noise that the passengers make <laughs> as they go hurtling past you. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the, uh, a couple of the funders have already pulled out, but the majority funder, again, the Dubai government essentially, is now working on a Hyperloop-enabled cargo system to deliver freight at, at the speed of flight and at the cost closer to trucking by connecting existing railroad and air transport. Um, but the cargo, the-, I'm, the cargo, I must stress, can only be carried on pallets, not bigger than that, because uh, but otherwise... The Hyperloop doesn't work. For fuck's mm. sake, just use a fucking train. We already have trains. <sighs> That's the problem, I, I, we already have trains. Uh, yeah, I don't hate the concept of something like a Hyperloop for the idea of moving freight and shit like that. But only if it's, like, fucking stupidly necessary. How how often do you really need to move freight that fucking quickly? Yeah, but what if, David, I promised to make a hyper-transport loop that connected Riyadh with several states in the United Arab Emirates? I would still fail to give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the the scope of the Hyperloop, which... uh, When was this? Two years ago? Three years ago when this was announced and it was going to be the big thing Mm. and and it's going to be really cool and there's the boring company It feels like it's been fucking going on for about, like, 100 years at this point. You know the way time time is time is just a very thick soup at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're all in the time hyperloop, and we just time is just passing strangely at this point. Uh, so yeah, this is essentially despite Branson is staying involved <laughs> because he branded it with the Virgin thing. Despite at the outset saying uh, that he would only be interested in a person carrying sort of hyperloop thing. Um, and just to check, because I wanted to see what the other guy was doing, uh, the Elon Musk Hyperloop plans have also been drastically scaled back or even ditched. Um, they've already quietly erased from their website major proposed Hyperloop projects in uh, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, and Boston as well. Um, and instead, they're going to concentrate more on those um, underground death tunnels for cars that they built oh, in Oh, yeah, the cars and oh, yeah, factories. Yeah, they're good. Like them. Yeah, yeah they're very good. <laughs> I think a really good idea is to build an underground tunnel and then put a bunch of things that explode in it. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's good, I think. Yeah, that's I, I I mean we we all love it. I mean especially when it's got like disco lights and stuff and very few escape hatches. I think that's the mm. b- best way forward. <laughs> yeah, but you don't need escape hatches. You you should just simply make the thing the thing never fail. Yeah. I really love the idea of like getting into one of these hyperloops and then like right before you get on, like the um the crew assistant just hands everybody a canary and is like if that one starts coughing, <laughs> there's a problem. <laughs> I mean, we do shit on the idea of the, the death tunnels and the hyperloop and all that kind of stuff. But without this, where would well, there's a problem be in 10 to 15 years? That's true. I know, right? <laughs> this is really infrastructure building for shitpost left podcasts when you think about it. And I'm in favor of that kind of investment. I mean, this is also yeah, very true, yes. that's, that's true. But at the same time, he could fuck up while building it. And that's just as good for an episode mm-hmm. of there's a problem. So that'll do me. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't think he's ever going to really even get started on them because it's like... Doesn't the whole thing hinge on him having, like, invented a new kind of, like, tunneling machine that fucking, like, works better than anyone else has ever fucking conceived, but he won't let you look at it or tell you how it works? You just have to yeah, trust him fake. that he he got the plans from the mole people. 
and they would know. <laughs> I, I, gen- I genuinely think it's a Ponzi scheme, like all this shit. I really honestly isn't, think it isn't is. Isn't everything these days? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Like, but like, people, people just like, people like capitalists just clocked on to the fact that you don't actually need to do anything. You can just like <laughs> con people without leaving your home, and that's all they do now. I think I think it basically goes like this. He's he's knows he's golden because he's got all the military contracts for putting stuff in space. And so he's realized that they can't take him down without taking all that shit out. So he might as well have some fun with it and do some really outrageous stuff. And as long as there's a fig leaf or believability in front of it, then he gets away with murder. And I think that's what I think that explains the entire thing, mm, more or less. Yeah. I think he's just high. He's just high on his own supply. Do you know what I mean? Like if if you had inherited an emerald mine and you had like thousands of dipshits like replying to you on Twitter telling you you were a god among men, you'd like think you could <laughs> fucking invent a new kind of tunnel that like moved at the speed of light. You know what I mean? He just he just believes the idiots that fucking big him up. Yeah, I mean, I think he really he's wants too stupid to. to know how stupid he is. Yeah, like he's this is the thing, right? Is that you can tell that he's stupid. You you kind of hit the nail on the head here because ordinarily people who are experts at certain things we're really clear on our limitations, right? Like I know yeah. that I can really crack on about you know particular parts of history, and that's about what I've got. But you know, if you want to talk to me about physics or something, then I can't possibly do it. You know how how would I know about that? It takes so many years to become an expert at something. This dickhead like is just somebody who hostily takes over other countries and then like can't even meme right. And then, like, somehow <laughs> has convinced himself that he's clever. And you know that you can tell, because he, if he was as smart at all, he wouldn't be trying to dabble, so, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but, Eleanor, have you considered that your epic bacon overlord has the best ideas for the future of humanity? Just a counterpoint, I mean, really. yeah. It's like, <laughs> homie can't even, like, hold down a girlfriend, so, you know, like, I'm, I'm not <laughs> holding my breath. That's all. <laughs> Elon Musk is a case study in the motivation for Sonic the Hedgehog because if you ever let some fucking lunatic guy get too many emeralds together at one point, this is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, before we move on to our main topic from uh, from the sublime and the ridiculous to the slightly more prosaic and real end of capitalism, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it now appears that despite several promises by the government, it we may, the government may actually start paying out more than private companies do to fix the cladding on all the tower blocks that are about to burn down after Grenfell, you know, the ones that still haven't been fixed. Oh, good. So, yeah. So is this, is this Michael, about Clarkson? Uh, partly, yes, uh, because he did, he did a whine in the sun about his insurance premiums or something, I think. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> what the fucking prick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, So yeah, the government uh, has said that freeholders, developers and product manufacturers of the, you know, burning cladding uh, should pay 4 billion all in to help fix the buildings, even though the government is already now committed to 5.1 billion. So more of the bill will be covered by... If you ask ask the private sector to pay too much, by which they generally mean anything... Then all the companies will just mysteriously collapse after having transferred all their assets to someone else. Do you know what I mean? Because they'll get scared. Yeah, that's that's how capitalism works. Do you know and, what I mean? And like, then the line go, will th- be sad. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. What, what if the line gets sad and it has a bad day? You know? If if you if you rock up to the the head offices of like incineration cladding like dot com 
and demand that they pay for like all the fucking people they've burned alive, then suddenly the building will just like fuck like just sink into the floor like in fucking like a <laughs> like at the start of Stingray. Do you know what I mean? And then, like, another, one, another one will come up with a different sign on the front, and you'll not be you'll not be able to do anything legally. Well, Jamie, it could be even more tricky because, let me quote uh, Gove here, some of the most egregious transgressors of the cladding stuff are companies based outside the UK, so there are practical difficulties in pursuing them in the way that the government might want to. Because, yeah. oh, you know, no. you can't just take their building or anything. Like, imagine you have to go all the way to Luxembourg or, say, my basement to get the ownership <laughs> papers, and that'd be, that'd be hard. Like, you can't do that, you know. That's... Uh, that's that, I, I feel like that revelation is, is going to cause us some problems down the line because if there's one thing I know about most like companies is that they're not headquartered here. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that's impossible to do is get a ferry to Jersey. So Exactly. That's very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> You're not allowed to go and visit your money, Eleanor. <laughs> how, how, many vis- how many divisions does the Isle of Wight have? I think it was uh, quite a... <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, don't worry about it. The government will pay for it, but the way they will pay for it might surprise you. Uh, they might be be using public funds that were earmarked to build new social housing, no. and instead fix the cladding. So, like, we will also not have social housing, and probably also not have the cladding fixed. So, don't worry about it. it all, also, that will be fine. I'm sure they'll take all of that money that was earmarked for social housing and then like spend it fixing the cladding by giving it to some dipshit that one of them went to school with who then like eat 90% of it and yeah. like you know what I mean not fix any yeah. fucking cladding. In 10 years time there'll be a fucking investigation that rules that like nobody acted improperly. <laughs> yeah, presumably. But and also like what if that dipshit friend of Boris Johnson's let's say or Michael Goves their company was based in Luxembourg. You you can't yeah. do anything. You can't, you're just, there's just you're nothing stuck. you can do. Nothing at no. all. I think what's going to happen is they're just going to refit them all with another type of cladding. Yeah, probably. They're just going to drape a big sheet over all of the buildings so you can't see the cladding. I mean, they basically <laughs> did that for fucking Grenfell after that. They're just going to do that thing. Who's the guy again? Who's the artist? I'm I'm trying to remember the name. The guy who whose whose trick is to wrap big buildings in stuff. Am I the only one who's heard of this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm afraid so. Okay. Yeah, sorry. What about that <laughs> dickhead that poses in front of the wall with balloon messages? Like, why not just get him to write a fucking treatise on every fucking Don't, don't you well, fucking encourage that lib right now. No. <laughs> no. Although I will encourage that guy to spend more more time standing in front of a wall. I think that's a good starting point for him. <laughs> Thesis, antithesis, synthesis, right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of putting, putting people up against walls, uh, let's switch up to the main story. And then for today's thing, I just wanted to talk about some bullshit that I've been interested in in a while that has nothing to do with current events, but more with one of history's more insanely stupid slap fights. Mm. Um, and essentially, this is in is honor this, is of... Is this Clarkson uh, again? <laughs> 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 um, I think we should so start a GoFundMe to dress that BBC producer up as a giant sandwich and have him batter Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so essentially, in honour of Brenda getting COVID, uh, you know, she's fine, she's definitely alive, don't worry about it. Yeah, disclaimer, um, at time don't... of recording, she is still alive, so they say. <laughs> Do- <laughs> Pay no attention to the fact that all the BBC presenters are wearing black. Like yeah. that doesn't mean anything. That's just the BBC. The BBC entering its goth phase. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, she also managed to buy her non-son out of trouble. Was that this week or last week? Yeah, congratulations. Uh, yeah, well done, yeah. well done. I think it was just ongoing. Yeah, and also uh, sending the uh, Windsor teleporting assassin to kill yet another uh, Epstein associate in prison. This time some French guy <laughs> who also killed himself in prison while the cameras were off and the guards were away, well, which is it's, truly it's, amazing it's, that it happened there's, again. There's a, body, there's a body of evidence mounting the like the the they need to do something about the state of like security cameras in prisons because they're malfunctioning all the time and it's driving the inmates to despair. <laughs> <laughs> what is the point of living in a fucking panopticon if I'm not being watched? I don't understand. They promised me my every move would be scrutinized, and here I am on my own with privacy. I'm a criminal. I don't deserve privacy. That's it. I'm fucking Look, out. Look, if we, if, I, <laughs> yeah. if you're gonna take the nonsense away from me, all I have is you know being watched. <laughs> it's actually a bunch of really depressed exhibitionists. Yes. Um, so yeah, in honor of all of that, and in honor of the continued miserable existence of the British throne, I thought we should talk about um, and a very long, ongoing, and increasingly stupid slap fight over who gets to sit on an imaginary throne. Because what would be better than a real one? Um, Essentially, why we're talking about this, basically because I'm interested and because I find it funny and because Helen, uh, Brenda is here. And I just would like to demonstrate that even if we got rid of the royal family, if we don't guillotine those motherfuckers straight away, this is the shit you're going to get. So yeah. what oh, I want to talk... Um, is this that fucking dipshit that's on Twitter who claims he's the rightful heir to the French throne or something? Oh my God, yes, is there there's one? three of them and that <gasps> is what I want to talk about today. Oh, oh my yeah. God, I'm obsessed. <laughs> you, ever, you ever fancy a laugh on a, on a, like a rainy afternoon? Go and tweet guillotine images at that prick. It's, oh it's my so God. Right. <laughs> the first place choice is tweeting upside down images of Benito Mussolini at his grandmother. Oh, I love that. But yeah. if you can't do that, if she's blocked you, then guillotine images at the claimant to the French throne. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> well, you need to clarify, Jamie, which one you mean, because there's three of them. There's oh. Jean Christophe, Prince there's Jean Christophe, Prince Napoleon, Prince Jean, or Jean the Fourth if you're a fatten, uh Duke of Vendome of the Orleanist branch, and Louis Alphonse, or Louis the Twentieth, if you're a fan, the current Duke of Anjou, who represents the legitimist wing uh of the pretenders to the throne of France. I'll see. Oh, you can you can tell that they're real because they're called the legitimist wing. So that's that's how you know it's <laughs> Just before we go into um, the, the the French things, and just just off the idea of tweeting like Mussolini and, and the guillotines, see that Romanov wedding that happened there. Are either of them on Twitter? And can I tweet basements at them? Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Follow but your dreams. <laughs> we could do a follow up, David, because there's also a significant slap fight in very minor circles about who is the legitimate successor to the throne of the Tsars of Russia. Oh. <laughs> the people themselves is the answer. Yes. I think you'll find. So essentially all three of these guys uh, pr pretend that they represent the true heirs to the throne of France, which is a thing that definitely exists. Um, so I just want to briefly talk to you about all three of them and their claims. Why? Because I just think it's funny. So Prince Napoleon obviously is the great, great, great nephew of the actual Emperor Napoleon, who left no direct heirs, but had a brother, Jerome, who did, who he crowned the King of Westphalia, who did um, have children. So th that's the great, great, great nephew. He, by, although by 
through his mother is also a descendant of Queen Victoria and some other people. So like interconnected through the royal houses as they still are today. Um, so the Bonapartist wing claims that neither the Orleanist nor the Legitimist claims are legitimate because the Bourbons were killed at the French Revolution. The Restoration doesn't count. And everybody who belongs to the House of Bourbon is um, House of Bourbon is the uh, pretender to the throne. Uh, and they are the real ones. Uh, interestingly, though, his father, Charles Napoleon, should have held the pretender throne at the moment, but he got kicked out of the line of succession by his own father, Prince Louis Napoleon, who is Jean Christophe's grandfather, uh, because he had temerity to divorce his royal wife, another one of a, <laughs> a different branch of the House of Bourbon, and married a commoner instead. Oh, that's good that they're keeping up the incest thing. That's yeah, good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I should say, by the way, this is still actually a thing. I know that the youngest son of the Grand Duke of Luxembourg was kicked out of the royal line of succession for marrying a commoner like three or four years ago. That's still a thing that happens. In Damn, really? As well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morganatic marriage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that's all. That's also happened. I mean, like the Japanese do it too. They had a princess yes. who was like, I want to marry a commoner. And they, to be like, you know, in fairness, they said, well, sure, but you can't be a princess anymore. And she said, don't care, fine. I mean, And, and that was pretty much it. We, we did force a king to abdicate. Well, no, I mean, really, he got forced to abdicate because uh, he was a Nazi. I mean, like, let's be honest about it. Like, I mean, like, that sounds that sounds incredibly suspicious, given what I know of the British people. I know, right? It's just he was a little too not. It's like when you're too Nazi, even for the British, that's that's what that's what's up there. You know, it was like he and his wife were just Naziing a little too loud, and you know. Yeah, although I think had they been around today, had like Charles and uh, Edward VIII swapped places. That guy would have been the most popular royal by miles. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 100%, like, yeah, yeah. Um, also, because he married a white American. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. No. So it's like it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, you might think, what on earth could like be at stake apart from the title to a thing that isn't actually a thing? Well, there is at least in the French imperial family, as they refer to themselves, a uh, long-standing family law and tradition that they are always around and willing to step in if the nation were to require them to do so. <laughs> Just let that's you know, we'll that's still a law bearing if. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, like his again, uh, the current pretender's father was kicked out of the line of succession because he wanted to marry a commoner, and worse, um, this is according to the lawyer that his own son hired to help him get kicked out of the line of succession. Mm. Um, uh, the lawyer argued that they had that the father had broken with imperial traditions by public, uh, publicly embracing Republican, Republican and Democratic notions, uh, what, which what is obviously... Wait, what what court up. fucking held this? Yeah, like, how is that a law? <laughs> Like, um, this family's they, vibes are, like, somehow enshrined? Is that is that what I'm meant to understand? And now, before you all get on to me, like, uh, yeah, that's what royalty is. But these guys aren't. <laughs> I just want to make that clear, you know? <laughs> well, you say Wait, there's not... The Charlie Kelly School of Law. <laughs> <laughs> but I, mean, I think you'll find, Delana, that these guys are just as much legitimate royalty as any other royalty. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wrong. fair enough, you got me there, right? Like, I, the trouble, and I know I say this also at least once every episode, but the trouble here that we're having right now is that Robespierre didn't go far enough. Yes. And, <laughs> and, you know, this all could have been taken care of. 
but I think the um, the 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 absolute acid test for whether or not they're legitimate royalty is does Nicholas Witchell want to shag them? <laughs> <laughs> is he that BBC royalty correspondent who argued that um, yeah. Prince Andrew should set up a charity against abuse for women or something? Yeah. Oh yeah, for is sure. It, yeah, no, it's be, become become an advocate for victims of sexual abuse. That's what it That's was. That's his way back to yeah, being yeah, yeah. reformed, right? Yeah, ladies love that. What can I say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, if you're if you're wondering, um, like, <laughs> sorry, just the phrase. Ah, listen, what you need to understand is it takes a nonce to catch me. <laughs> 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 Um, well, Eleanor, you were asking, like, what court is hearing this? Well, I would like to stipulate to you that the matter was indeed hotly debated among the 3,000-strong membership of the Souvenir La- Napoleonien History Association that spent <laughs> its Congress analyzing the competing claims for the throne among fa- between father and son. Real, real amateur historian hours. What can I say? Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Big flowchart fans. Yeah, this is this is what they get up to when you know we're not paying attention. That's your trouble, right there. <laughs> but yeah, according to the lawyer, the lawyer, by the way, uh, also represented a Vichy official in crimes against humanity uh, during the same time this article was written nice. about ten odd years ago. Um, <laughs> nice. I'm good. I'm going to be real, Rob. When you when you were making this one up, you went a little bit too far <laughs> with it. It's, it's just. <laughs> Um, and you were asking about rules. He, this is the lawyer. The lawyer for the son saying why the father should be kicked out of the line of succession. Um, he, as in the father, has deprived himself of all rights to dynastic heredity in remarrying without his father's permission after divorcing, divorcing of his own volition, which is against the rules of the imperial family. These rules depart from civil law, but they do apply to family members. So if you're fancy enough, you could just have your own code of law that only applies to your family. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, that's usually how you get around the nonsense, isn't it? So I'm, I'm familiar <laughs> with that. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's called the Fritzel Code. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! Yeah, that's another example of where um, families with special rules and basements don't mix well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apropos of nothing, by the way, but Jean Christophe uh, Napoleon is also an honorary Freeman of the City of London. Uh, works for the Blackstone Private Equity Group. Oh. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. Okay. That seems fine. Yeah. And he also married another member of the still existing and extended Habsburg family on the royal French <laughs> royal estate. Yes. <laughs> see, what I want to see is like a fucking a, a war between these dipshits and the fucking, what was it, the Asgardians, was it? Yes. Lembe <laughs> <laughs> yes. Opic. Yeah. yeah. In his president of the council uniform. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Deciding who gets to be like king of space by fucking combat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, well, Jamie, we might uh, pass him off and then sell the moon, but I think that's for a future episode. Hey, uh, the moon to belongs be sure. to America. I've seen a film about it. Okay. <laughs> so. Look, America was never there. You can tell by the fact that there's wind blowing, and there is no wind on the yeah. moon. Yeah, uh, the moon. The moon belongs to the cube on the on the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, leaving behind uh, Jean-Christophe Napoleon, who's just weird, I want to talk about the proper slap fight, because this is the long-running feud between the Orleanist and the legitimist wings of the Bourbon family, uh, who keep doing duking it out uh, over the possibly even more dead throne of the Ancien Regime. So these are the people who say, no, we are the legitimate successors to Louis XVI, who got his head cut off. Um, mm. So just as a brief reminder, your two contenders for the throne are Prince Jean uh, of Duke of Vendôme, or Jean IV, if you believe he's king, and Louis Alphonse, Duke of Anjou, or Louis XX, if you're a fan. Uh, so these are in the two corners. Right. Uh, basically, start, starting with the claim of the legitimist wing, uh, that's the Louis Twentieth wing, uh, they believe in ultra-traditional rules of succession based on the Salic laws, as laid down in the 5th century AD under King Clovis, the first king of Francia, which is sort of France-ish in a way. Yeah. Question mark, question mark. Yeah, yeah, um, And I'm... Yeah. So among many other things that it says, and it's the 5th century, it says dudes only, no women can ever hold a crown, and oldest son first. So this, of course, is a very reasonable document to base your question of the who sits on the imaginary throne on. Uh, it's a... <laughs> So see, if you, for, if you see for sovereign citizens, do you think they get in bother less than other types of sovereign citizens? Because they all just seem to infight with each other here, rather than just like you know bugging members of the public and shit. And it, to be honest, I think this is better. We should try and export this ideal to everyone. These aren't so much sovereign citizens as sovereignty citizens. Like I think. It's just, <laughs> just... <laughs> So yeah, by this line of reasoning, uh, out of the 5th century AD, the last legitimate king of France was Charles X, which you can just skip the whole French Revolution, because when Louis XVI lost his head, like it jumped around to a couple of cousins, um, and then ended with Charles X in the direct line, because he didn't have any grandchildren who survived him directly. Because And because his grandson didn't survive him directly, the title jumped immediately to the Spanish side uh, of the Bourbon family. So okay. essentially, there's an argu- they're trying to make the argument that, that the Spanish House of Bourbon and the French House of Bourbon are sort of the same thing. And essentially, through a couple of weird genealogical leaps, you end up with Louis Twentieth. Okay. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so it doesn't matter or not whether or not somebody is actually crowned, because if you remember, like between Louis the Sixteenth and the Restoration, um, there were a couple of you know years where nobody was crowned. So this doesn't matter because these people are what are called immediacists, <laughs> which is amazing. Which is essentially the moment the existing king dies, and it can only be a king because women can't inherit mm. the god spark the blessing of the god jumps immediately to the next closest male, either the oldest son or, like, the closest living, the brother or whatever. Do you think Do you think we could actually put these guys to some actual functional use? No. Right? And what we do is we get, like, a, a small dynasty <laughs> of these people. And what we do is we, we basically very carefully torture them to close to the point of death to cause information to transfer faster than the speed of light. Mm. Do you think we could, we could maybe set up something like that? So some kind of like closed loop system whereby the godhead transfers information. Okay, no, I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah, exactly. Just like use the shock paddles to bring it back, so to speak. And like by doing this very rapidly, I mean, you'd burn through them quite quickly. But, you know, if it's instantaneous communication, it could be the solution to interstellar travel. Oh my God, we have a reason for Lembit Opic to embrace <laughs> these minor monarchs. 
I like the idea, James, that you've essentially reinvented the Astronomicon, but with instead of psychics, <laughs> we're feeding them families, family members of dead royal houses. I mean, you know, it, it sounds like it's viable to me. I don't see any problems with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's the, the, you know, no, no humans or animals are harmed during it, so it should be fine. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, eth- ethically, it's completely sound. <laughs> Uh, neither, by the way, does it matter that Charles X abdicated before he was tossed out of the country in 1848. Uh, the crown isn't like personal property or anything. It doesn't belong to the person holding it. The crown is a thing in and of itself. So you can't abdicate the crown. You can't renounce the crown. And you can't appoint a new heir when the current one doesn't really fit your desires. It just goes straight down according to this law laid down in the 5th century AD. Um so, but if you want to catch a glimpse of what life is like in the legitimist camp, uh, if you go to the Wikipedia for the legitimist claims, uh, there is a header of ideology, and they read in oh. in the following order: monarchy, conservatism, re- reactionaryism, restoration, and monarchy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. Uh, weirdly enough, many of the people in this camp, or at least their current grandfathers, uh, were quite happy to see the Nazis take over France in 1940. No. They called it a divine accident. Yeah. Um, Weird that. Divine accident. Oh, no, sorry. Divine surprise. That's what That was the line. <laughs> divine surprise. <laughs> Is that a column of Nazis in tanks rolling up on us? No, it's just a wee divine surprise. What a divine surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, God, you shouldn't have. A lot of their granddads then also immediately also went to work for Pétain under Vichy France, to the surprise of absolutely nobody. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the current heir, uh, Louis Twentieth or Louis Alphonse, Duke of Anjou, might also be the real king of Spain, if you follow the legitimate line of argumentation straight through, because his grandfather renounced his, right, his own right to the Spanish throne on account of being deaf. But, as I said, because of the Salic laws, it doesn't count. So this guy could actually be the person who unites the Spanish and French thrones and creates one country together. I was going to say, yeah, like like the, the Salak laws say, no taxi-baxies. <laughs> uh, not not just purely as a coincidence he's also the great grandson of Francisco Franco and the honorary president of the Francisco mm-hmm. Franco Foundation oh. uh, which is in strong opposition <laughs> yeah that's an organization that shouldn't exist yeah how is that allowed <laughs> like I you know hmm. I feel like a he did start a uh, change.org petition against uh, the Spanish government blowing up the bones of Franco and getting them out of his monument. Uh, they were resting in a couple of years ago. No, I'm um, sorry, but that absolutely <laughs> whipped. We need more of that in the world. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry, more Spanish astronauts. More often. Like <laughs> The only way they could have improved it would have been to move the tomb brick by brick, put it in a car in a street, and blow the car clean into another street. That yeah, would have been, been good. even yeah, better. That yeah. would have been good. Spanish space program <laughs> never went far enough. Exactly. <laughs> um, and if you're wondering, how does this guy's claim stack up against... Um, the other pretenders, well, don't worry. He was elected by the Society of Cincinnati, which are mainly Americans who claim direct descent from the U.S. Continental Army. Normal. Uh, to, be the, to be the representative of Louis XVI to their own societal proceedings, um, <laughs> instead, which caused the Orleanist pretender and his representatives and lawyers to all quit the American Society of Cincinnati. So don't worry <laughs> about it. It's all good. <laughs> I... Um... 
I can't imagine actually caring what what those people thought, but you know, go off Cam. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't care, but it's just I like the idea that this like this bunch of incredibly fascist history nerds just sit in a corner going, "No, I have this 5th century document that proves that I'm the king of no, France." Like, I just I haven't I mean, I just can't imagine like I just find it very unbecoming of a theoretical king to care what a bunch of people in Cincinnati are doing. Like I'm some <laughs> chick from Tacoma and that's oh. below me. Right. Okay. So, oh, so hang on, El- El- Eleanor. When you told him to go off, King, you were being sarcastic. Yeah. Got <laughs> so yeah, we also have the Orleanist pretender, to, which is uh, the guy of the House of Bourbon, Orleans, who took the throne. Uh, this is the guy. This is uh, who took the throne after the eighteen thirty uh, July Revolution, when Charles X, he of the start of the Legitimist line, uh, was booted out uh, and replaced with Louis Philippe III, who in turn lasted only eighteen years until the Revolution of eighteen forty eight, when he was booted out and fled to the UK. And their claim is, well, we were the last kings, and therefore it's ours and not yours. Um, just as a wild aside, by the way, they also have a junior branch of the family known as the House of Orléans Braganza, and they are the current claimants to the non-existent throne of Brazil. So- <laughs> well, okay, all right. I like the idea of them having like a, a junior fucking club, though, like the Mickey Mouse Club, but for like like royalist dipshits. <laughs> <laughs> it is a magical ki- kingdom, Jamie. Yeah. What can you see? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that cur- the current head of house of the Orleanist branch and also a pretender is uh, Jean, the Count of Paris, or Jean the Fourth, if you're playing along at home. Um, he, by the way, I did not get you, married. We are not. <laughs> <laughs> There's that one of our patrons is now deeply offended and just slowly putting down the ink quill and closing <laughs> the ledger of descent, and is just very <laughs> upset. Going to get a very long essay in the reason for sub- cancelling the subscription. I hope it's good flow charts. I, I resigned from this podcast, from this podcast Patreon, signed Jean-Christophe Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole thing, like, it does really strike me. I mean, obviously they're slap fighting a lot, but I mean, I genuinely believe, you know, like the purpose of the monarchy in this country is like to entertain Americans, right? Like that's what it does. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so it's like, you know, yeah, they're, they're fighting all ages. Of- they're fire- fighting over what a bunch of dipshits in Cincinnati think. Sure, why not? You know, like, that's that's what monarchy's all about, baby. It it was really weird, because obviously, like, my partner's American, and in the before times, before the world ended, I would go over to visit her. And it was always really weird to me whenever we're in, like, you know, grocery stores or, you know, just anywhere where these articles are for sale, there'd be fucking magazines about the British royal mm-hmm. family. It felt like fucking cursed. Like, I couldn't escape them, honestly. Yeah, it's really weird. And just, it's like, I mean, I, I think that what it is, is that it's partially the American celebrity culture thing. And also because, you know, America exists because we decided we didn't want to have, uh, well, you know, among other taxes mainly, but, uh, you know, uh, but also a monarchy. <laughs> People don't understand that, like, actually having a bunch of fucking parasites knots about is not that interesting. They just want the fairy tale thing. You know, they, mo- they mostly relate to the conception of royalty through Disney. So it is like the Mickey Mouse Club. Um, you know, like they're they're like, oh yeah, like I'm going to marry a prince or some shit. Like that's that's genuinely what Americans think. So it's very odd. Like I've had to, I've gotten is... arguments with a lot of my, you know, loved ones, people who I'm friends with, who who do the whole royalty thing, and I'm like, guys, absolutely not. Like it's not actually funny. Like or um, 
you know, I, I guess they, they think of it as harmless, like a kind of like harmless form of celebrity. And I'm like, it's absolutely not, you know, actively harmful. And I'm paying for it right now, you know? It, it's, yeah. it's weird. It's weird to have sovereign citizen of a country that then has buyer's remorse and <laughs> just wants them back to a royal family. But it does explain America's psyche kind of eerily well now that you mention it. Mm. The thing is, the thing is as well, though, like, is the, is there a functional difference between like our royal family as a bunch of fucking like parasites that we'd all be better off shot of, and like American billionaires? Yes, asterisk. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But kind I of, think we're getting off topic. I'd maybe. say yeah, but it's uh, that the royal family has some cool house. <laughs> well, I mean, essentially, like the American set of billionaires are just the next royalty. They just don't have enough generations yet. That's the, the, the fundamental difference. It's both robber baronism. It's just you know these guys don't the billionaires don't claim divine right to rule. At least I don't think most of them don't. No, but they don't need to. Well, and it's also, I mean, let's be real about it. There are American, incredibly rich, basically oligarch families yeah. that just stay ultra the quiet. Vanderbilt, yeah. Stay, the Vanderbilt, yeah. Yeah, so, like, you know, kind of, sort of, the main difference has been not directly plugged into government in the way that our queen is, but functionally, it might be a distinction without a difference. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah like, old, old money is, like, royalty 2.0, and royalty 3.0 is, like, the Baldwins. There is one fundamental difference, which is that, like, the, the royal family tend to give their kids normalish names, whereas, like, old money in America <laughs> are all called, like, Todger Strunk and fucking they're shit all, like that. You they're know all called, I mean? like, Bunny and shit, and it's, and it's a dude. Yeah. Nah, they call each other Bunny, they're not called Bunny. <laughs> No, this is this is this is Rob's classism is coming into before. Yeah. <laughs> that guy, um, I saw I saw a tweet the other day by someone called Beefer Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. No, I'm. Let me buy Alberto first. I, I think actually. <laughs> oh my god, Jesus fucking Christ! Took a second for that one to land, David. Fuck me. <laughs> or don't. Um, no, like the. I think the main functional difference is. The Queen owns 10% of the British state versus the old money in America owns 10% of all the American corporations. And since the American corporations kind of increasingly are the American state, uh, yeah, yeah I see that. Yeah. yeah, I can see that, that yeah, going, yeah. I can pay that, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, since... I don't know. We can show. We can wrap up the bit here because I, you know, there's a bit more to talk about. But shall we wrap up with instead of doing commando commentaria, we do a quick article about the next generation of royalty, and that is uh, landlords. That was a piece of the times we can talk about. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you made me a comment or commentaria for fuck all. Well, you can. You know, we can still use that next week. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Like it's. Uh, it, it, <laughs> that shit has um, an expiry date, man. Oh, it, it, it was good stuff. Well, I'll be honest with you, David, either it will keep or it won't because we'll all be bathing in nuclear radiation. Yeah. So yeah. either way, it's fine. Or I'll just subject yeah. you all to it anyway and we'll see what happens at the end. I, exactly. for one, welcome the sweet release of death. So <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were about to say, I, for one, welcome the sweet release of common <laughs> I commentary. I do as well. <laughs> Our common commentary at overlords, you know. How long's this fucking article? Not that long. Uh, <laughs> better not be. Should you become a buy-to-let investor? Question no. mark. This is in the Times. No. Uh, Beth Edge's no. law of headlines. No. <laughs> <laughs> dinner, quote-unquote, dinner party landlords are fed up with being stigmatized oh. and seeing profits drop. Professional outfits are stepping in. 
During the pandemic, one of Rachel Elliott's tenants stopped paying her rent. After missing months of payments, she racked yes, up a queen. debt of £4,000. Yes. <laughs> yep. Between March support. and September of... <laughs> Between March and September of 2020, pandemic rules meant that landlords had to give tenants rent holidays if they needed them. So she didn't stop paying, she just took advantage of the existing rules. Mm -hmm. um, evictions were banned and bailiffs could not be called in until the end of May last year. Elliot would have been more than happy to help her tenants if needed, but this tenant, she said, did not. She was still in employment and wasn't furloughed. She was living beyond her means and stopped paying, said Elliot, 48, from Leeds. We were told by our who letting agent... fucking who? <laughs> yeah. So is, is, the gist, is the gist of this that, like, dinner party landlords are too fucking wet to evict people and are now, like, turning like, you know, turn to fucking, like, companies that'll do it for them? Because like uh, they, yes. they, just, they rocked up to say like you haven't paid rent for six months, get out, and the the tenants just went no, and then they just like ran out of fucking like options. Do you know what I mean? In which case, we welcome the dinner party landlord and wish we yeah. would stick, they would stick around. <laughs> we were told by our letting agent that there was nothing we could do. It caused a lot of stress to us because the tenant made no attempt to communicate or to try to work out a payment arrangement. She just took advantage of the rules. <laughs> yeah, took advantage okay. of the rules. Damn. Fucking hell. <laughs> not not even did something illegal. No, no. Right? You can't do that. That's inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> Once the tenant left, she sold the property, one of three she and her husband own. It left a bad taste in my mouth, she said. It was the final straw. Since Elliot well, became a landlord... It... It, it does often leave a bad taste in your mouth when you're made to eat shit. <laughs> Since Elliot became a landlord in 2015 with the aim of making enough money to quit her demanding corporate job and retrain as a psychotherapist, a succession of tax changes have gradually eroded her profits. That's the most that's the most middle class sentence right. you've ever read. I, I, love, I love the idea that this is the person who should be a psychotherapist. Like, oh yeah, like real, real yeah. empathetic, really, you know, cares about people. Uh, oh, oh, also is a parasite. This is like brain slug therapy. It's good. <laughs> Have you considered owning a second property? <laughs> I think you'll find your mental health will greatly improve if you own a second property and rent it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the advantages available to all of us since Brexit, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> well, there was that piece in the Times where they said that one of the advantages of becoming a landlord of Brexit would be that you could buy a second home. If you remember, would it would it shock you to would it shock you to learn that I do remember? <laughs> it, that would actually yes. Um, Elliot pr Elliot prides herself on being a caring landlord, keeping the properties in good condition. <laughs> Oh, or caring for the property, right, 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 right. Yeah, I care about my investment, not the people <laughs> who I'm like draining to death to feed it. Mm. I bet, I bet, good condition. I bet, good condition. There means it looks nice from the outside. Yeah. Two of her tenants have been with her since 2015, but her profits have reduced notably, and now she wants out. If I could wave a magic wand and pull out of the buy-to-let market, I would. Okay. Oh, whose so husband. would we? So do, do it. it. Yeah. It's called selling your flat. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> just, or give it away. Like you could just. That's magic you can do too. Mm -hmm. Just sell it for a pound. Sell it to your fucking tenants who have been with you since 2015. Um, 
If I could wave a magic wand and pull out of the buy-to-let market, I would, said Elliot, whose husband is an electrical engineer and whose son is at university. Amateur investors, nicknamed dinner party landlords, are leaving the market after years of tax rises and negative rhetoric from governments. Dinner Good. party landlords. This is like mm -hmm. when I say zone two dinner party. And, but I, and I mean it as an like I really yeah, I've, I've never I've never been to a dinner party and I, I don't really know what one is but they should just be abolished I think <laughs> yeah they're not that every good every time it's we read on this podcast every yeah. every time we read something to do with dinner parties on this podcast they always sound fucking terrible because <laughs> hmm. um, Eddie Malzins there inexplicably <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that's I'd rather be down at the pub with all the guys that beat their wives do you know what I mean that's <laughs> sad indictment of how middle class I am or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Mortgage Works, a lender, said its research suggested that one in five dinner party landlords was considering selling up in the next year. Good. Well, okay, fine. Fuck you. Fuck off. Yeah, These small-time landlords... I'm really going to have to get a party streamer that I can blow on here, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, these small-time landlords sprang up in the mid to late 1990s, often intending to use their investment property at a as a pension in a time of rising prices. Well, the prices are still rising, so shut the fuck up. First-time mm -hmm. buyers... First-time buyers found themselves sitting on large amounts of equity as their house prices went up. Some released money to buy a second home and rent out their first. Yeah, if you're stuck... If you're wanting to buy, you're stuck in your rented accommodation shithole since forever, this is essentially why. Mm. Uh, between 1999 and 2015, 1.7 million buy-to-let mortgages worth 200 billion were agreed, according to the Council of Mortgage Lenders. Last year's buy-to-let deals were worth 18 billion. But small-scale language... Council, the Council of Mortgage Lenders sounds like some kind of fucking satanic, you know, <laughs> yeah. a coven meeting in dark towers, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The they, council has yeah. decided sort of shit. You could use a, a snappier name. They definitely wear, like, big cowls over their heads, and, like, so you can only see their mouth but not their eyes. Like, it's uh, that sort of thing, yeah. No, they, they could use a snappier name. Um, I propose the Prixidium. <laughs> <laughs> Small-scale landlords could be on their way out, replaced by professional ones or businesses that are build-to-rent build developers. These developers build smart-looking blocks of flats that have gyms and other communal facilities. They're popular with young professional renters and come with high service charges. Funded by banks including Goldman Sachs, pension funds, and even the retailer John Lewis. This is, David, you remember what we talked to Nick Banner about? Yep. Um, there are 212,000 built-to-rent flats and houses in the UK, of which 90,000 are in London. Well, that's a surprise. Oh, well, So what's causing... Ah, I'm just angry yeah. every day. <laughs> anyway, go on. <laughs> also, by the way, like, notice that the switchover is from dinner party landlord who owns a couple of flats in wherever the hell, what, what was it again, in... Um, in Castleford to smart property buy to lets in London. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're a young professional with a high income, you can move into the shiny new flat. If you're a poor person, question mark, question mark, question mark as to what's going to happen with uh, your rented flat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
so then there's a whole bit about the regulatory changes that mean that landlords have to pay more, blah, blah. It's not that super interesting. Um, thanks to the changes, Elliot had to pay an extra 5,400 quid in stamp duty when she bought her third property in 2017. Oh, no. Is she okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be right back, lads. Starting to go fund me. Campaign groups such as Priced Out led the charge against, against landlords who they said were hoarding property that could have been made available to first-time buyers. Well, they are correct in that assessment. Elliot believes that this was unfair. I think there's some bad landlords out there, but there's bad tenants too, she said. I choose very carefully who I talk to about being a landlord. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Shame. Um, shame. On behalf of bad tenants everywhere, let them hate so long as they fear. Yeah. <laughs> People who know me well know how hard I've worked to build my little portfolio and have no what? issue with it. My little portfolio. Mm-hmm. Ooh, my portfolio is minor coded. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you'll I think you'll find they don't want to associate with the rest of us because there's a problematic height gap between their portfolio and ours. Uh, sorry, portfolio or wall, please. <laughs> also, I do uh, just to bring it back a second. Could you read that sentence again, please, Rob? People who know me well know how hard I've worked to build my lit- my little portfolio and have no issue I bet with it. You, I bet you they do know exactly how hard they haven't worked to yeah, build their portfolio. Yeah, God damn. Yeah. But I would never discuss it with people I don't know, as I feel that there's definitely a stigma surrounding it. Well, and that's why yes. your first name, last name in the Times, because you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, perhaps the final straw for landlords now trying to make a return on their on their small property holding uwu, will be the need to go green. <sighs> Under proposed government changes, out for public consultation now, landlords will have to make sure their homes reach a higher energy performance certificate by 2025 for new tenancies. If the cost of renovations is more than £10,000, they will have until 2028. Landlords really are the apotheosis of stop asking me to do mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, I worked at one point in time, and now I never have to do it again. You, on the other hand, can keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then there's a whole bit about, like, why it's better to have not, like, small-time uwu uh, developers, but um, big bigger ones, uh, because you need to be professional. Uh, they gave an example of some family who's who's doing it, uh, blah, blah. It's, it's not that super interesting. Um, but it, there is, fortunately, I know you're all, you guys were all desperately worried about this. What's going to happen to Elliot now, uh, our, our small bean uh, landlord? Uh, so will landlords such as Elliot survive in a market dominated by professional investors? Uh, someone at the professional uh, property consultancy Hamptons International said, "Institutional landlords predominantly only purchase and then let." N- bleh, let me try that again. Institutional landlords predominantly only purchase and then let new build apartments, which tend to command hefty rental premiums. Rents often remain unaffordable for large chunks of, of tenants. Mm-hmm. She believes the rental yield may be attractive enough to make buy-to-let decent investment for amateur landlords, particularly in the north of England and Wales, where house prices are low. Mm-hmm. I.e. also outside the London housing market where you're not going to get the cunts <sighs> in mass, in big enough yeah. masses to build the fancy apartment blocks. 
Oh, I'm frozen. Right. Elliot... I hate all of this. <laughs> um, Elliot wants to go into holiday lets instead, which have fallen oh, on the oh, tax breaks. Come on. Come <laughs> on. Rather than, rather than people trying to make a living in London, um, I'm going to ruin the lives of people in Cornwall instead. But she's worried about busting her capital gains uh, tax... Sorry. But she is worried about busting her capital gains tax annual exemption of £12,300. Oh, <laughs> I too often worry about busting my capital gains tax allowances. Her two properties were bought, bought for 180 and 190,000 pounds respectively, but both are worth about 220,000 pounds each today. So n- not only has she made rent, she's made a paper profit, you know, of 40 of 70k already just in the house prices alone. No. But you know, it's really important that she gets the rent. No. Yeah, it's really yeah. You know, and that's why she had to get like somebody to evict the the tenant who was being unreasonable and wouldn't pay. Who who was being unreasonable and wouldn't pay when they legally didn't have to pay? Let, yes. let us not mm-hmm. forget. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the the tenant's crime here is not appearing insufficiently like is is appearing insufficiently impoverished when the landlord inspected them. Mm. Like if they if they'd been you know what I mean if they'd been like jobless and and starving and going to food banks they wouldn't have had a problem with it but no they were still working no and, jamie and like you- jamie you've actually i'm sorry this is evidence you don't think like a landlord if a landlord shows up and you look like you're really poor they're getting rid of you because they want a revenue stream oh yeah absolutely but the the argument this fucking dipshit made was that like the the tenant was still working and wasn't like fucking uh uh out of work because of the pandemic and so could afford to still pay the rent, but instead chose to like not pay the rent because there was a, a fucking like hiatus on rent. Yeah, and they took they took advantage of that to live beyond their means. Do you know what I mean? Took took advantage of following the rules to the letter of the law. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they yeah, shouldn't have done supposed to do that. They shouldn't have done that because they didn't need to. They weren't desperate enough to require that like law and so what they should have done is instead of instead of using the law to their own advantage they should have like thought about their landlord and and, like done the right thing by them instead Mm. yes i mean what 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 is what what on on this earth is more important than showing the proper deference to your landlord apart from showing deference to the throne of course like those two things are (laughs) that's what holds the british british empire up and going yeah and what is a throne if not truly the seat from which all landlordism descends Mm. at least in the olden times the king was just the supreme landlord of landlords like that's that's not a bad summary of things for the most part at least not in, in, in i resent the demonization of landlords she said there are more tax Good. incentives. For <laughs> there are more tax incentives for holiday rental, and having had my fingers burnt with my tenant during the pandemic, I recognise there are far fewer risks. I would do that in a heartbeat now if I could. I'm going to rent out one of her holiday cottages and shit in the fridge. Uh, <laughs> I, I like that. In, in none of even her wildest dreams, she can't conceive of a way of making money that doesn't like take housing away from individuals who actually need it. Like all, yeah. all like you know, under capitalism, all her answers. You know, it's that every problem looks like a nail when you've got a hammer. She's like every every problem looks like a I will fucking squander housing. Under capitalism. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you if you started a different kind of business, you would have to actually turn up every day, and, you know what I mean? And she can't have that. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's got dinner parties to attend. 
what she's forgotten is, oh, I'm going to switch into holiday rentals, which is better. And her problem is my tenant during the pandemic didn't do what they wanted. And if anybody remembers um, Airbnb and a whole bunch of those other things, do you remember there were a whole lot of people that went bankrupt because they had like mortgages on Airbnb places that they couldn't afford without the Airbnb people being in? Yeah, it was great. I think Elliot would just end up in the same place again because Elliot is also, apart from being a vampire and a danger to society, also an idiot. Mm. No, it kind of goes hand in hand, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so that's uh, you know one of our another one of our recurring themes: the sad plight of, of landlords. Uh, I, th- I thought that would make a nice little little short reading for you, just to just to check up on the people who have, who have it toughest in our society. Well, I wish all landlords a very swift end to their suffering. <laughs> yeah, wish them all a very eight inches shorter. Uh, okay so if that's the article let us finish off with some quick comment or commentary three horrifying excerpts for you this week for those of us with the incalculable luxury of watching events from afar the images currently on our screens are striking yet time worn the male female ratio is wild with giant roomfuls of men in suits from New York to Moscow, punctuated by only the odd woman, Liz Truss, say, or Valentina Matvienko, the sole female at Putin's Security Council event. What? Comment or commentaria? Oh, that's got to be commentaria. It's just two more yeah, prison com- female yeah. guards. Yes. Yeah, it's, it is definitely that. <laughs> it is. That was Marina Hyde in The Guardian. Yeah, it was. I was right. going to say The Guardian. Of course it was. <laughs> of course it was The Guardian. Oh. oh, God. Okay. Well done finding a sentence without, like, a, a fucking incredibly tepid burn in it. <laughs> <laughs> it took a while. I had to read a lot more of that than I wanted. David decided to give us, like, a, an easy run just to ease Rob back into it. <laughs> this is the world we live in today. Two years ago, the government had a choice. Despite no evidence lockdown worked, people were asked if they should destroy children's education, health, and leave them with a debt which will mean they will have to work longer and live shorter lives. What? 80% of the country couldn't care less about the kids. After all, they don't even have a vote. Comment or commentary? Comment. What? Wait. Without evidence? I think commentary. I think this is fucking... This is going to be one of the uh, one of the all-time classic headbangers. fucking little little john or some cunt like that you know what i mean Mm. or alison pearson in the telegraph who's always insane about uh uh, corona doesn't exist i I think comment i'm sticking with comment okay it was a comment that was a comment from the bbc news website oh good (laughs) and finally we used to have snow now we have (laughs) thunder snow we used to have weather. Now we have weather bombs. I heard some pants weather on the wireless yesterday describing Eunice as a bomb cyclone. On the as wireless. real bombs could be landing on Kiev any day now using the <laughs> same kind of language to describe high winds is tasteless in the extreme to say the least. Come on. Comment, this is invasion erasure. This is, this is this like is... bad... This... This is a baz of some description, surely. This is all killer, no filler. Like this is fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this is commentary. That's is what it is. Very yeah. fucking powerful. Yeah, that is commentary. That's from like the Daily Express or something. Wow. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. Fine. Fair enough.
That was commentaria. It was Richard Littlejohn in the Daily Mail. No! (laughs) (laughs) Hail to the king, baby. That's why they give him the big bucks. That's his exact, like, he, he is the master of that, like, sanctimonious fucking tone when he's talking yeah. about the most insane shit imaginable. <laughs> I had to take a good couple of minutes after finding that one just to kind of calm myself down off the back of it because it was just so perfect. <laughs> Still, at least you got you got through the whole thing without mentioning the fucking pink mafia, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Alrighty. That was an episode. That, that was a good episode. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Um... All we can say really is thank you very much, Eleanor, for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Always uh, delighted to talk about some absolute psychos who think they're royalty. No shortage <laughs> of that heel. Uh, would yeah. you like to plug anything? Uh, yeah, go on. Um, if uh, you haven't yet uh, bought my extremely good comic book, that would help me a lot. It is called Middle Ages, A Graphic History. Um, you can check out my Patreon, which is Patreon slash going medieval and you know i don't know i'm all over twitter i'm doing bullshit on twitter my blog is going hyphen medieval i don't know i'm very tired it's difficult to say <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all um also okay, you have and- the we're not so different which oh, is yeah. doing the historical materialism thing which i very much enjoy listening to that's right thank you i need to remember i'm usually doing my own plugs on we're not so different so i forget to <laughs> talk about we're not so different my, available wherever fine podcasts are listened to uh, we are God, I think we're like 16 episodes deep into historical materialism at this point, but uh, you know we're doing it, so come come, come check that out. Well, you found this podcast, so you can go find that one as well, listener. Uh, for us, you can find bonus episodes, etc. We will have a release uh, very soon of the next Black Thoughts a week early on the Patreon, so look forward to that. This month's episode is already out. Look forward to next month's as well. Uh, it's patreon.com forward slash praxiscast. You can follow the Twitter at praxiscast. And uh, we don't have a merch store still. We are still working on that. Apologies. Um, yeah. And if you see someone selling Norman uh, Normal Island t-shirts, kill them. <laughs> Shoot them stone right. cold dead. Yeah. Hit them in the. F- They're criminals. Judge dread mm-hmm. their asses. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> At the very least, take them to clout court. Um, yes. <laughs> so I think that that'll do it from us. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, Twitch. Uh, Twitch.tv forward slash PraxisCast. We will be on tonight. Um, if you are listening to this on day of release, and then we should be back to generally Mondays and Thursdays from half seven. And we will. We will see you later. We've got the uh, we've got the goblin mode thing coming up as well, haven't we? Ooh. Yeah, I was actually oh, I was yeah. actually waiting for this. And uh, I should probably add, David, that there's a there's a very good chance I'm going to be going full goblin on the <laughs> cast stream, possibly starting this Friday when Elden Ring drops. It really depends on when I get it posted through my door because I've gone for a PS5 copy just because my PC isn't strong enough. So if you want to hear me gradually lose my fucking mind, um, then look forward to that at some point in the next few days. Yes, yes, and that again, Twitch.tv forward slash PraxisCast for that. And yeah, with that, I think we can chop the heat off this one. Hey. Yep, we can. Cool. Right. See you later, folks. All right. Bye bye. No kings, no gods, no masters. Bye.